I want to I wanna just kind of go through some stuff that's been in my heart for a little while uh, and say this, that it, sometimes in life it just feels like things are not fair. It seems like um, uh, that things are kind of out of our control and it doesn't work out in our direction. It doesn't seem fair that someone's talking badly about us and they're able to ruin our reputations. Uh, that it uh, doesn't seem fair that you're dealing with a, a health issue that you have and maybe somebody else is not dealing with it. They think, well, why do I have to deal with this? Or maybe it's some other issue. It doesn't seem fair that you always get turned down for the promotion, but somebody else that maybe not even as qualified as you gets the raise or gets the promotion or goes ahead of you. Or maybe you've lost a loved one. And it's just not fair um, because you didn't feel ready for it or you weren't as prepared for it or why not take that heathen instead of taking my beloved person that's in my life, you know. But there's, there's reasons for that. And I want to kind of share some things that I have in my heart. Here's what I've learned. Even though life's not always fair, God is always fair and God is always just. He's the one you can trust. Somebody say Amen. And if we will just keep moving forward while trusting this God who we serve to vindicate us, he will pay us back for everything the devil has stolen. And I know there are people here tonight and your heart has been broken and it's like things in your life have been stolen from you or taken from you before it's time. Those things are coming back. Touch, touch your neighbor, say they're coming back into your life. Come on, tell them. Prophesy to them tonight. Amen. I say to the devil, devil... Put it back. Zechariah 9.12 says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. How many is ready for some double for your trouble? Come on, somebody. I feel like prophesying tonight. Church, don't let one bad break ruin the rest of your life. One bad divorce, one bad bankruptcy, one bad foreclosure, one bad love, loss of a loved one, one bad childhood you might have had. Keep you from God's best in your life and keep you from God's destiny in your life. Don't allow the devil to whisper in your ear to make you feel like it's over, that's all. You're at the, I feel like I'm prophesying to somebody that has felt like their time is up and that's all you got. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. You're only beginning the journey you're on. Come on, somebody. What others might have done to, to you might have been wrong. They may have played politics or they just didn't have your best interest at heart. You might have felt abandoned by them when you needed them the very most. And that, 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 that was really unfair. But what they did cannot stop your destiny. And it certainly cannot stop the purpose that God intended for you to be in the earth in the first place. They don't have that authority. They don't have the final say. Only God has that. That's why you got to trust him no matter what it looks like. Why? He's always fair and he's always just. Joel chapter 2 verse 25 says, so I will restore to you. Everybody say restoration. I'll restore to you the years. Everybody say the years. That the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty. Somebody received this prophecy. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt not 
bad with you, not evil with you, not unfairly with you, but wondrously with you, not wrongly, but wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Does that sound like a God who's not just or unfair or has stacked the, 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 the scale against you? That sounds like a God that's saying no matter what they've done, no matter what they've consumed, no matter what they've ripped off of you, I, got, I hold the scales of justice in my hand, and I'm going to restore to you. Not just one thing, but the years of things that have been ripped off in your life because I deal wondrously with my people and I don't put shame on you. I remove shame from you. Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is our life mission as a church. Why? Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is the God you serve, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort. That means that God's going to restore it all. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Come on, somebody. And watch this, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Every time we get our leaders together on Sunday morning, we remind them it's a celebration at Faith Builders. Why? We're here to praise God and lift up a living God who, who saved us from a real and burning hell, who gave us his only son to die on a cross. We're here to celebrate Jesus. And to praise him. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. And he said this, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they will rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. That's all restoration. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the, the desolations of many generations. You, according to the word of God, will make it. You will get to the other side. God's got his best. I feel like preaching in here tonight. Has God his best in mind for you? Psalms 30, verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment. Yes, he does get angry. He sometimes get angry at you. He's a good, good father, though. He, he, he will chastise those he loves. He gets angry because he knows your potential. He knows your purpose. He knows you're better than what you're giving. But his anger is but for a moment. Then why do you get up every day of your life thinking this God is out to get you, out to put you down, out to snub you out, out to knock you down, out to, out to cause your days to be short in the earth? I don't see God that way. I see a good, good father that loves me, that wants the best for me. Come on. Well, then people are going to be upset they miss this tonight, praise God. Am I right about it, church? Yeah, he gets angry, but it's for a moment. I said, but it's for a moment. His favor, though, is for a lifetime. 
Lord, we want your favor. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Every day we wake up, it's a new cycle of God's mercy, God's grace, and God's favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, joy up. Come on. Put a smile on your face. Say, everything's going to be all right. Keep in mind that what happens to you was no surprise to God. What you've been going through, God's not shocked. God's not having, oh, no. What did it? What happened to you? No, no surprise to God. He knows the end from the beginning. He's Alpha and Omega. And He's already orchestrated your comeback. I said, God's already designed it, already. Oh, come on, church. So you heard me say this before. When you get pushed down, don't sit back, but instead arrange for a comeback. I said, come on. When you get pushed down, don't sit back. Get ready for your comeback. Actually, your setback is a setup for your God and what he's about to take you into. So it would be good for you to recognize that what you've been going through is a place where God says, I'm about to set up your authority. I'm about to set up the place because the place of your pain becomes the place where you reign. That's when your test becomes a testimony. That's when your mess becomes a message. Welcome to Faith Builders. This is where you got to shake off the defeat. Shake off that embarrassment. Shake off that hurt. Shake off that injustice and get ready for the next greatest move of God in your entire life. The children of Israel knew pain, 400 years of cruel bondage, knew what it meant to, to be in the hands of cruel taskmasters and, and, and not having freedom and knowing nothing but a whip on their back and, 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 and barely a meal at the end of the day and, and raising their children for 400 years, generations of this and generations of this. And they cried out to God and, and God heard them and pitied his people. When you cry out to God, God hears your cry. You got to be desperate, though. You got to get in a place. I'm desperate. I need you, God. I need you to show up. And so, and so he, he hears their cry and sends Moses in as a deliverer into the land. And he sees, God sees the injustice of his people. He sees where they're at. And he sees that there's been a major setback. And God uses it as a setup to bring them into their future. God heard their prayer, saw their pain, and brought them out. But they didn't just leave Egypt. They took all of the wealth. Y'all didn't hear me. I said they didn't just leave Egypt. They took all the wealth of Egypt with them. In other words, God's not just a God of justice, and he's not just a God of restoration, but God's also a God of restitution. And he saw the injustice and what they went through. Come on, somebody. A lot of talk of reparations. You talk about reparations. You're talking about they took all the wealth. 
with them out of Egypt and started a brand new society that God wanted to happen in the earth. So God brought them through a time of restitution. I'm here to tell you, God will restore you. He doesn't forget what's happened to you. He knows the opportunities you lost. He saw the promotion that got stolen. He saw the money that went down the drain. I thought y'all would have shot a little bit stronger on that stuff. Amen. It's okay to say, you know, I gotta, you know, I gotta be, uh, I gotta be content where I'm at. But you don't have to be settled like that's the rest of your life either. Amen, somebody. And so God is keeping the books. God is weighing the scales. He sees all. Don't ever think because that happened to you. What you've been through in your life, or maybe currently going through right now, that God doesn't see or understand or know. He holds the books. He's a good record keeper. James 5, 4. I love this. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. You don't think God knows what's going on? They mowed your fields. You didn't pay them right. God keeps the books. But they cry out. What? What cries out? The wages that don't belong to the wicked. Cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth. And the word Sabaoth or the Lord of the Sabaoth indicates the God who goes in to put on armor and goes to war against those who hold his favor back from his People. It shows you God who actually puts on battle gear and goes and fights on your behalf of the injustice that takes place in your life. Am I losing y'all? You just getting tired of hooping? I go another hour if y'all want me to. Let me just say that because your situation has gone on for a while, there are many of you that have lost your passion, and in the natural. I get it. Some of you, you've lost, you've, you've lost your fire. It's like it's just not there like it was. And you're thinking that this is how it's always going to be. That's one of the major tricks of the enemy. He's always trying to make us feel like this is as good as it's ever going to be. So you might as well just settle in and just understand this is how life really is. And you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to get out of this? Let me just say, you may have lost your enthusiasm for a while or your passion for a while or your fire for a while, but you're here tonight, aren't you? You didn't have to come. Nobody's paying you to be here. Obviously, there's something in you that says, I got to have him. So let me be the first one to congratulate you that you came out in an ordinary Thursday night service at the beginning of Summerfest at a thunderstorm, come on, but you made it to the house of God and you said, I ain't going to melt. It's just a little crackling in the sky. It's just a little water. Come on, somebody. You came tonight. You're hungry tonight. Amen. And I'm here letting you know that it's payback time. That the joy you lost is coming back. The peace you lost is coming back. The health you've lost is coming back. The relationships you lost are coming back online. But you got to shake off. Everybody go like this, shake off. You got to shake off that discouragement. 
You got to shake off that disappointment. You got to shake off that depression. Touch your neighbor and say, shake it off. Church, a disappointment, you've heard me say this before, a disappointment is not a missed appointment. I said a disappointment, don't make it a missed appointment. We've all been disappointed. How many times has God got to show you and you get to the end of the thing and you go, my God, I was worried about what you came through just like you said you would. And I mean, I had days I didn't sleep and I couldn't eat or ate too much or, or I was upset or I was frustrated and you know, all this stuff. And you go, my God, he worked it out anyways. Now here's what I want you to think. That's in his mercy. But I wonder if we could actually just be obedient and actually just walk in faith and not worry and just put it in his hand. I wonder about the health we would actually have. I wonder about the great nights of sleep we'd actually get. I wonder about our relationship to actually be better. I wonder that God would come through us even to us even faster. If he's going to do it anyways. She said, "What well, by worrying, can you add one cubit to your stature? You can't add an inch to your height. Lord knows I've tried. You can't. Right? So why, why worry if you can't change that? And you can put on elevator shoes to do that. Then why in the world would you worry about what God says? Give it to me. You say, well, I can't fix it. Good. Good. That lets you know you're going to have to trust him. And he will not let you down. He's orchestrating things behind the scenes, pulling strings, doing stuff you have. He's contacting. He's waking people up. You don't know what God's got. I had a woman walk up to me last night and said, last year God told me to buy you a suit. I said, Jesus, thank you, Lord. And she said, but I didn't do it. And she said, and tonight when you was preaching, she said, you and I'm telling the whole time, the Spirit of God's on me, I'm convicted. And, and, and this woman is a leader. And she said, and, and the whole time I'm convicted, and she said, um, she said um, and, and you started preaching about John the Baptist. And how he was a fanatic. And he didn't care about fashion. He wore camel's hair. He had one suit his whole ministry. Oh, Jesus, that's it. I got to buy this man. I got a suit. And so she's going to buy me a suit. Come on, somebody. In other words, God was orchestrating something in favor for me. I didn't even know what was even going on. Who's ready to start to receive something like that? Father, in the name of Jesus, there are people you have discussed, you have spoken to, you have given dreams and vision, you have given a word of knowledge to be a blessing in our lives. You said do this for that person and do that, and they've not done it. Lord God, stir them up tonight. Lord God, stir them up that we may receive our blessing. And that we're so blessed that we're able to be a blessing to somebody else, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, somebody say amen. I've had situations where somebody walked up and gave somebody $10,000 in this church. A church member gave another church member $10,000. God said, give it to them. And that person had had a dream that they were receiving, ten, before they got it, that they were going to receive $10,000. And they saw them taking that $10,000 and laying it at my feet and my wife's feet as, a, as an offering. And so they came and said, we were blessed as 10,000, but it's not our 10,000. 
And they said, here it is. And he said, would you pray with me? We said, certainly. And we received the $10,000. But what they didn't know that God spoke to me, that I was to receive $10,000. And it wasn't for me. It was for somebody else. God took one seed. And he took that seed through three different hands so that we could each all have a harvest on one seed. Come on, church. Everybody say, you got to shake it off. God's about to promote you in spite of what they said about you. Psalm chapter 23, 5 says this, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That's always God's best. So even in the midst of enemy attack, God wants to bless me and will bless me until it overflows. There's always temptation to speak negatively when, when going through negative things. Always temptation, your mouth will go in a wrong direction and start speaking words of death and confusion over your life rather than those words of life. That's why James says your tongue is like a rudder of a ship and that tongue is beneath the surface and is guiding the direction of your life. Listen to what Brother James is saying here. And every time you put pressure on the rudder, it causes that that ship to go into a direction. So when there's pressure on your tongue, just know it's always pressured there to say the wrong thing, but keep that thing steered in the right direction. Keep your tongue steered in the right direction. Job was going through the battle of his life. He didn't know how long it would be. He didn't know if he'd live or die. Wasn't sure about anything. Everybody forsook him. All of his friends said, why don't you just go ahead and die, Job? His wife came up to him and said, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die and get this thing over with? And he said, what? My Redeemer. I know my Redeemer lives. And God healed him. And what happened? He was restored at the end of his life. And he got double for all of what he went through. How many is ready for that double again? I, I believe you need to have an attitude of faith that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you will condemn. Amen. An attitude of faith that knows that God has only good intentions for you and that he's a God of justice and will fight for you and fight for your case. That's what he does and what he does best. Isaiah 61, let me read that real quick out of the message translation. I didn't give him this tonight, I forgot to, but it's the message translation it says, because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy go on forever. Stop thinking that you will always be at a disadvantage. Stop thinking that, you know, your life is always in a place where you are handicapped and there's always somebody better than you. The truth is there is always somebody better than you in the natural. But in the spirit, we're equal, guys. We're equal. I don't care if you got one talent, two talents, five talents. That Listen, that story, yes, at the end, they got one got more than the other. But that we're not talking about more than the other. We're talking about fulfilling the destiny God gave us. And sometimes in the kingdom, you just got to be Charlie Hustle. You may not be the most gifted of everybody around, but if you'll hustle for God, what I mean by hustle means get, to, get with the program. Seeking God, reading his word, obeying what he says, challenging God to speak to you. And when he does, say, I'll do exactly what you tell me to do. Making the house of God a priority, being a tither, being one who gives their offering, building the kingdom of God, doing what God has, all those things. 
He can trust you with that. I'm going to tell you something. That's called hustling. And when you start doing that, God starts trusting you. I had people give me words that were not so-called known prophets that were more accurate than the prophet that came by. You know why? God trusted them. They didn't have a pulpit ministry, but, but they had a good, good prayer ministry. They spend time with the Almighty. It's not about your IQ. It's not about your talent. It's an even, even playing field with God. You spend time with him. He puts his anointing on you. The anointing is God's approval. It's God's, it's God's power. It's his might. It's his strength. It's his abilities. And when he anoints you, it touches everything around you. It's like when you walk into a room, the atmosphere will begin to change. And you might not notice it, but every devil does. And people will begin to notice you in a different level. And some of you haven't broken the alabaster box yet. In other words, you haven't gotten so sacred in a place with God where you say, all is yours, and what I have is yours. And you break it before God, and he says, now I can let the oil run in your life. And when the oil runs in your life and you walk into the business room or you walk into your work room or you walk into the family reunion or you go down wherever you go, you know God has sent you. My, the cry of my heart is, God, I don't want to go nowhere I'm not sent. Life is hard enough, but if I know I've been sent by you, then I know you are with me. And if you are with me, then I am anointed. And if I'm anointed, no telling what you're going to do. I just know it's going to be better than I can do. Amen, somebody. That's God's best for our lives. So we cannot walk around. We should not walk around thinking that we're always at a disadvantage, that we don't have what it takes, that we're not. And we all go through those motions. We all do. I'm not asking you to feel condemned. I'm not trying to encourage you. The very fact that you came under scrutiny, the very fact that you came under attack, that qualifies you for double. And I, I go back to the ministry of Jesus. And, and, and when John the Baptist had, had baptized him in the River Jordan, and he was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And there he was for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, nothing to eat, nothing to drink, supernatural. You don't last after three days without water, especially in the wilderness. And he had nothing. And the devil came. And the Bible says that he was led into the uh, he was led into the wilderness by the devil. Uh, guys, can you put up Luke chapter 4 and verse uh, 1? Just start there and let's see where that's at. Or if somebody has their Bible, you can look it up for me too. Luke chapter, do we have Bibles in the church anymore? Praise the Lord. Is there any Biblias in the church? The sword of the Lord. Amen. There we go. Here we go. Then Jesus being filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Next verse. Being Tempted, say tempted, for 40 days by the devil. And he ate nothing those days. Now, that word tempted is where we get our English word. I don't know the exact Greek word, but I know that I've studied this. But the meaning of it is it means to surveil or surveillance. It's the idea of somebody with a scope that is zeroing in, zeroing in and focusing in on something. So now here, the Spirit of God drives him into the wilderness, and the devil comes to do what? To surveil Jesus. He's watching him very carefully, and he's got his focus and aim on him. 
and he's trying to see who he is. He's not sure what he's made of yet. He doesn't know quite who he is. He's got an idea, but he's not positive yet. And so he's being tempted. He's being surveilled upon, which means to be put under hard scrutiny. He's about to be attacked. He's under scrutiny. So if you're under scrutiny, that lets me know something. If it feels like you're pinned in a box and everything you do is getting judged, that's a demonic attack. That's not natural. That's supernatural. Something's going on. But at the same time, Jesus understood. Maybe we forget. But he knew. Hold on a second here. The Holy Spirit sent me here. The devil didn't send me here. Now, he's scrutinizing me. He's attacking me with these temptations. But I know that God placed me here. I'm trying to do my best to give you understanding. And at the end of 40 days, what happens? He beats the test. He passes the test. And now then, he goes out in the power of the Spirit and performs the first miracle at Canaan. He turns the water into wine, church. He gets a double portion of the Spirit of God on his life. Jacob was the same way. Jacob was the same way when he wanted to marry Rachel, but instead he got tricked, and he ended up marrying her sister. And uh, he, he was deceived. And then he said, I'll work another seven years for Rachel. That's what, that was going to be what uh, Rachel's father wanted, another seven years out of him. And he didn't like it, but he said, I'll do it. I'll do what you asked me to do. He was tricked. He was under scrutiny. He was at a disadvantage. He was deceived. What did he do? He did nothing wrong, but God had a plan. And so he said, I'll do it. And so he works for Laban the next seven years. And God says, I've seen everything. I saw the injustice. I saw what was done and don't think I didn't. And here's what you do. I want you to go back to your father-in-law and say, I want you to give me all the spotted calves and all the striped calves and give me. Give, now, those were the sickly calves. He said, give them to me. He said, that's all I ask for you in return. He said, absolutely. Have, have, what you, have as many as you want of them. Because they weren't good producers or produced at all. So he gets all of them. And then the Spirit of God gives them a revelation. Now take these sticks and do this and do that. And have them come look at it. And when they come look at them, I will make them whole. And they're going to produce more than all the other calves that he's got. He obeys the word of the Lord. God remembers him. You see, God had a plan the whole time. Even though he was under attack and got deceived out of the deal. God said, don't you give up. I'm going to still give you Rachel. It's going to take you just a little bit longer to get there. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. And he out, he had the biggest, he was the biggest herdsman in the area until the Bible said he became so wealthy until the Philistines envied everything that he had. And Laban couldn't believe what he had done. God's got your back. But you got to shake off the stuff that's been trying to lay hold of you to make you feel small, less than. Like God doesn't care or, or you feel like you're, you, you know, that everybody else is getting blessed but you. Shake it off. Paul, the apostle, was on a ship and the ship would begin to be tossed to and fro and begin to break apart. The ship wrecked and the whole deal. And Paul said not one man, he prophesied, not one man will lose their life. We'll all, we'll all make it. And all of them somehow got to dry ground. And they begin to make a fire. They're cold. And they begin to make a fire. And they're warming up by the fire, all the men. Paul comes over to warm up. 
puts his hands over the fire to warm up. And as he does, the Bible says a viper, a snake came up out. I mean, the man just got shipwrecked. Well, he's, a, he's God's apostle. He's writing two-thirds of the New Testament. He's busy for Jesus. And now a viper comes up and bites him on his hand. You know what he does? He looks at it. He don't do nothing but the Bible says he takes it and he shakes it off. And he shakes it back into the fire from whence it came and it burns up alive. Come on, church. And they all said, ooh, ooh, what did Paul do that God's so mad at him? God trying to kill this boy. He couldn't get him with the ship as if God couldn't get him with the ship. And now then, now we got a viper. Oh, my God. And they're all, they, nobody's trying to help him. Nobody's trying to suck it out. Come on, somebody. Nobody's trying to rush him in the aid. They all just look at him and eating their food. Go, oh, boy, any second now, he's going to drop dead. That's what they did. He carried on with his business. Slept a good night's sleep, nothing happened. A poisonous viper that kills everything it touches, and he survives. Because God was with him, and he stood before King Agrippa to deliver the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. That was what God promised he would do, and he fulfilled the mission that God sent him to do. And you're going to fulfill the mission God sent you to do too. you got to shake it off. When that devil bites you, you got to shake it off. Circumstances bite you, you got to shake it off. When that relative comes and bites you, shake it off. Everybody say, I'm going to shake it off. 